Mask Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. And here we go with another weekend with a lot of different big time fights in a lot of different locations. Welcome in to our latest big fight weekend as we go across the continent of North America, up, down, left, right, and we've got boxing, boxing, and more boxing. That's what it's all about. I am your humble host, and I've got special guests that are going to be joining me to talk about these different fights, whether it be the Friday night showdown on ESPN Plus involving world lightweight champion Vasily Lomachenko as he defends his 135-pound title against Anthony Krola in Los Angeles. Krola, a veteran, a former belt holder himself. Lomachenko, one of the stars of the sport in the lighter weight divisions. We'll be talking about that fight. Maybe instead on Saturday you prefer one of the triple header of fights that are going to be going on on different networks across the country all the way uh, in Monterrey Mexico not that far actually from Los Angeles but in Mexico Jaime Munguia will defend his version of the junior middleweight championship 154 pounds he will fight against Dennis Hogan of Ireland look forward to uh, talking some about that fight Hogan more or less again a journeyman from the UK Munguia is the unbeaten star from Mexico and is looking for bigger and better things in the 100 154-pound division or maybe the middleweight division. So we'll be previewing that fight. We'll swing all the way to the East Coast to Atlantic City, where for the first time ever on Showtime, the main event is a ladies' world title fight. Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer will battle for the ladies' middleweight world championship, each fighter holding two belts uh, in the different organizations, both undefeated. They'll fight as the main event Saturday night on Showtime in Atlantic City. And then, if that's not enough, on Fox Sports 1 Cable, a super middleweight showdown will take place. 168 pounds, non-title fight, 12-round fight, though, nonetheless. Uh, Caleb Truax will fight... Uh, Kid Chocolate, Peter Quinlan, who's been a contender in the past. Truex is looking for a title shot. Quinlan kind of near the end of his career, maybe looks to play his way into a title shot. That's the 12-round main event on FS1 coming on Saturday. So whether it be the Lomachenko title fight on Friday night, Munguia on Saturday night in Mexico, Shields and Hammer, the ladies' title fight Atlantic City, or this Truex fight, Plenty to discuss here on Big Fight Weekend. Thank you for finding us, by the way, however you did, through RadioInfluence.com, or likewise subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, to have the show come automatically to you. The boxing's going to be heating up over the next 60 to 90 days with all these different world title fights, and we're anxious to talk all about it. Another subject that we're also going to talk about here, coming on Monday, the 34th anniversary of arguably the greatest short fight in modern championship boxing history, uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler defending the world middleweight title against Tommy Hitman Hearns in Las Vegas in a three-round brawl that uh, it still resonates four decades later from when that fight took place. So I'll be talking to my different guests about that. So straight ahead, we'll hear from Marquise Johns. Uh, Marquise is the uh, overseer, the lead writer for BigFightWeekend.com. I'll get his feelings about that the, that epic uh, Hearns and and Hagler uh, showdown and these different fights on the weekends and, and, and weekend and which ones interest him 
the most. Uh, also with us, as he customarily does pop on, I love the perspective from over in the UK, England's David Payne, longtime boxing writer, fight fan. His site is boxingwriter.co.uk. David is also a part-time contributor as well uh, for gambling.com on some fights, as well as our bigfightweekend.com website. So David will have some insight into uh, Anthony Krola in particular, the fighter that is fighting uh, Lomachenko on Friday night in the lightweight title showdown. We'll get his feelings on that and on the Hagler Hearns and see what else is on his mind as well uh, heading into this weekend with all these different fights in North America. And then also Antoine Williams will be here from greatest uh, of all time boxing promotions, the GOAT, the greatest of all time boxing promotions based out of Houston. Uh, Antoine has been around Jaime Munguia for his January title defense. Munguia has been very active. Um, has fought five times inside of a year now when he steps through the ring on Saturday night. And Antoine was recently around him in January for his world title defense that took place in Houston. He also has insight, does Antoine Williams, on Clarissa Shields and uh, and her upbringing through Michigan. They're both from Michigan, Antoine and Clarissa. He's been around her and a couple of her previous fights. He'll have some insight into that. And he'll tell you a little bit more about the GOAT Boxing Promotions, his outfit in Houston, Texas. So plenty on the plate here as part of Big Fight Weekend. By the way, we're brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And whether you're talking about the Lomachenko fight Friday night at Staples Center, this is the first of several times I'm going to say it. Maybe you already know what happened in the Lomachenko fight because you're listening on Saturday or Sunday in the preview mode. Uh, Hopefully you're not listening Sunday because all the fights will have taken place. But if you're listening later on Friday night or you're listening on Saturday, you already know what happened in the Lomachenko fight. Again, whether that fight at Staples Center, the Munguia title fight in Monterey, uh, whether it's the Shields Hammer Ladies Showdown in Atlantic City, or the Truax fight with Peter Quinlan, go to Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app for great selection on all the tickets. Uh, anywhere that, that the fights are being held in North America, go grab them through Vivid Seats and use the promo code BIGFIGHT10. Take 10% off your order if you're a first-time user with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. So again, from Staples Center to Atlantic City, from Minneapolis to Monterey, all these fights that are taking place, go on the Vivid Seats mobile app. Remember that promo code BIGFIGHT10 for 10% off up to $50 off your initial order with Vivid Seats. With all of that being said, let's get to our guests. Let's get to the breakdowns of all these fights. It is Big Fight Weekend. Let us continue. Yep, getting ready for a weekend that's going to have multiple interesting big fights, championship fights in different places, and i got to have some help to sort it all out. So Marquise Johns is back with me, who oversees BigFightWeekend.com, does a fantastic job of keeping you up to date with everything going on, story after story, day after day on the schedule, the news items, even some historical perspective. We're going to get into the historical perspective, talking a little Hagler Hearns, a little Leonard Hagler, like I mentioned uh, here to begin things. Uh, But uh, to begin here with you, first of all, Marquise, welcome. Welcome, and it is not going to be dull this weekend. Multiple fights in multiple places on Friday and Saturday for this weekend. Very interesting if you're a fight fan. 
Absolutely, TJ. Thanks for having me on as always. And after a weekend last weekend where the only fight I saw was me uh, trying to start my car because I died on the parking lot, uh, <laughs> it's good to have some actual fights in the ring and not in the neighborhood of my living, my residence. Uh, right, good. right. That's good. You didn't have to fight with the repairman, right? You didn't have to square off in 12 rounds with him to get the car fixed. I'm just double checking on that. So all of No, that I'm good. good on that. I, I did go through a AAA, however, but we're, we're, all, we're all cleared up. It's all squared away. That's a good thing. Well, go. I mean, I was in Minnesota for the whole Final Four basketball and obviously We've got, uh, you know, the exact opposite of boxing. We've got the tranquility, the beauty of Augusta and golf and, and Tiger and Phil and all the golfers at Augusta. And then we got fisticuffs and we got fisticuffs everywhere. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let, let's talk, first of all, uh, if you're hearing us again later in the weekend, you may already know the Lomachenko result. Uh, Vesali Lomachenko is fighting the uh, the journeyman is the kindest way to put it in Anthony Krola uh, from England. Not, not not to be confused with Corolla. Not as a, not and you wrote that. Several people all week long. It's, it's not Adam Corolla or a Toyota Corolla or <laughs> any other any other Corolla. It's Krola. Uh, and so he gets the chance here as a former belt holder about four or five years ago in the lightweight division. He gets the chance at a, at a real mega star in Lomachenko. Again, the belief is Lomachenko is going to handle him easily. It's the main event on the ESPN Plus card on Friday night. I mean, Marquise, do you give this much of a chance of being a decent fight with Lomachenko's uh, track record, all of his big wins, and this guy appears to be a journeyman-type opponent nearing the end of his career? You know what? I want to give Corolla uh, a chance, but the problem that I have with that is that it is Lomachenko, and I was doing the research on it, and I was watching the uh, ESPN did a great uh, countdown to this fight for it during the week where they showed the backstory of how pretty much is the underdog, and they, played, they, they probably said the whole underdog story. But the problem with it was they also showed the training that these, both these guys have done. And you can just see the training that Lomachenko does is it's something on a different level than what Kroll is doing. And that, and this fight in general, it's, it's a mandatory. Like, a, like most mandatories, they're just there to, to pretty much hold us over till the actual main course comes along. And that's what this is for Lomachenko. Well, and I'm going to talk more. David Payne will be on in a little bit, the boxing writer over in the UK, about the whole pound for pound thing i'll just i want a quick preview from you on that part of the conversation same type of question has lomachenko fought enough to be worthy of being considered best pound for pound fighter when you look at a canelo that is out there and still active the heavyweights like wilder and joshua of course they get all the attention anyway than the lighter weight guys has lomachenko done enough have enough on the resume to you to be considered pound for pound the best or at least one of the best Personally, no, because he has a big enough sample size for me personally. I, I always want to see those who have at least a couple more fights under his belt. He's what is he has less than 15, I want to say. Was he right. 12 and 0? Right. So I, he, he's he got, got the at least one loss. 15. He fought, he fought yeah. for a title in his second ever fight as a pro and lost. And he hasn't lost since. And he's had numerous defenses now of these defenses. lightweight belts. But again, as you mentioned, less than 15 fights. Continue on. Yeah, with a sample size that small, you just need to see, honestly, just more game tape, as lame as that may sound on the, on the cliche board. But if you don't know what, you, what you're looking into with Lomachenko fight-wise, you just need to have more, more of that stuff there. Again, uh, we'll see what ends up happening. For all we know, Krola may push him. Then again, Lomachenko may take him out inside of two rounds. I don't know. That's why we tune in. It's late night, Friday night. And again, you may already know that result if you're listening to us as the weekend rolls on here on Big Fight Weekend. That's not it, though, because on Saturday, not one, not two, but three very intriguing fights 
in different locations. Let's start with the fight on DAZN in Monterey, Mexico, not far from where Lomachenko is going to defend the lightweight title in L.A., go to the south, and Jaime Munguia will defend the WBO junior middleweight 154 belt against Dennis Hogan of Ireland. Uh, no, not Hulk Hogan, not uh, Crocodile Dundee, Paul Hogan, the actor, but Dennis Hogan. That's who I had. Yes. Uh, Jaime Munguia, very interesting. Um, he's the champ. He's been very active. Uh, Marquise, I don't know if you realize this, this is his fifth title fight in the last 11 months. That's like unprecedentedly active for most of these fighters. So he's That's been very busy. Work right there. Yep, including a January title defense. He, be- he beat a Japanese uh, contender in no way. Uh, who in no way posed a threat to Munguia, who beat him easily by decision. So Munguia should win. Hogan, 34 years old. You were doing a little research on him. Not much power, right, for Dennis Hogan of Ireland, correct? None so much that I've recognized where it was 28 wins, but only seven by knockout. So he's going to be pretty much just jab and punch around for the most. If, if, if he hangs in this fight that long enough, that's what we'll be watching for the most part. And Munguia, 32 wins, 26 knockouts. I mentioned uh, Taka, uh, Takashi in no way went the distance with him. But before that, he, he knocked out Brandon Cook, a Canadian in Las Vegas uh, in September of last year. England's uh, Liam Smith pushed Munguia to the 12 rounds, but Munguia won on a unanimous decision and uh, uh, he beat Saddam Ali before that an American uh, by fourth round knockout so again all, all of these fights coming in inside of a year since last May for Munguia he's clearly the star on the rise wants to be impressive here Jared Hurd has got two of the belts in the junior middleweight division super bad Tony Harrison has the other belt ever one and, and obviously Munguia wants some kind of unification with one of those guys that's that's essentially what's on the line here in Mexico on DAZN right that's what's on the line for the most part with with this fight and looking forward to that if, if you're playing future matchmaking because we're going to I'm going to assume that Munguia is going to get by uh, Hogan for the time being the next fight that would make a lot more sense to him would be the Jared Hurd fight if Jared Hurd can of course get past uh, J-Rock that's coming up that's upcoming in a couple of months all right so we'll keep eyes on that and again Munguia deserves credit for being this active let's see if he wins impressively again Marquise Johns with me bigfightweekend.com oversees that site the lead writer of our uh, sister site to this podcast we encourage you to go check out his articles his preview of this Lomachenko Krola fight uh, also writing up about uh, an interesting one too all right so let's skip to the other side of the country Atlantic City Women's middleweight unification fight. Clarissa Shields of Flint, Michigan, unbeaten. Younger, less fights than Christina Hammer from Kazakhstan. Hammer, uh, older by four years, also undefeated. Ten-round unification world women's middleweight title fight. All right, so Marquise, I I have to confess on Big Fight Week, I'm not as up and I'm not big on ladies boxing. I'm not chauvinistic. I just don't watch it enough. Uh, but obviously there's intrigue. There are some saying this may be the biggest ladies fight of this year or the last couple of years. Do you have a thought on this one? It's Showtime's card in Atlantic City. Oh, to your offense, TJ, the reason why you don't have that much interest in women's foxing is because there's just not that much of it on. In fact, this may have been the last fight I can remember in recent memory that's been on since, what, Layla Lee was beating people in two <laughs> rounds in 2007, hey, 2008? Look, I go all the way back to Christy Martin, too, in the 90s. I'm that old when she was that big of a star. But and uh, she was running through people, too, in the late 90s, early 2000s also. Right. That was the old USA Thursday Night Fights. There I remember a lot of those. There you go. Score on that. But, I mean, Shields uh, obviously has some following. And 
and has some knockouts. And and Christina Hammer's a part-time model in addition to being a fighter uh, here. So th- this, I mean, and obviously Showtime not messing around. This is the main event. It, and uh, it, it's, you know, it's not as if it's not worthy of it. There is some following. There is some interest here on this. So what do we what do we make? Are we expecting fireworks? Are we expecting an early knockout from one of these ladies? Personally, no. Both of them aren't known for having knockout powers or pretty much knocking out abilities. So it may just be one of those punch around fights with those two as well. But I do expect in regards to it over Hammer and Shields, if Shields can move around like she claims to have been running her mouth with it in regards to it since literally last July in regards to having this fight set up for, for all these belts for the uh, for the women's uh it's super middleweight, or is it, it's just play middleweight. It's just middleweight, right, right. But all just four belts are on the line because the Shields, line. Shields has two of them and Hammer has two of them. So if Shields could pretty much take all two, the other two from Hammer, and we'll have all four, this would be, of course, historic in regards to Shields have to be the first women's pretty much unified champion ever in history. So yep. it is a big deal in regards to that. All right, 10-round main event in that one. There's another ladies' fight, uh, a featherweight uh, ladies uh, title fight that is also um, on that same card on Showtime. And you were saying to me that also uh, on that card, Jermaine Franklin, Rydell Booker, heavyweights, 10 rounds. Yes. Franklin is obviously the the younger known name. Rydell Booker, uh, let's say, has been away for a while, right? <laughs> been, yeah, let's let's go with that. Has for, been for, incarcerated, will be kind. But Rydell Brooker for, formerly fought whom, when, in a, in a prominent fight? Yes, R- Rockin' Rydell Booker fought uh, James Tony and got knocked out back in 2004, back when uh, Tony had his, and, his, his title run. And you? And you were was there? there. You were I there. I was there. <laughs> so. And... Had to, had to support, you know, your, your fellow Michigan boxers, of course, uh, Rydell being from the Detroit area. All right. Very interesting. So Franklin Booker is the co-main event on the undercard of the Shields Hammer Ladies World Middleweight Unification Fight. That's on Showtime. I feel like I'm doing one of those 80s uh, commercials for the Ginsu Steak Knives. Uh, how much would you pay? $19.95. No. But wait. No. There's still more. We're not done yet on Saturday night here as part of Big Fight Weekend, Marquise Johns, because the FS1 main event... Uh, on Fox Sports 1 Cable is super middleweights, 168, Caleb Truax and uh, Kid Chocolate, Peter Quinlan, 12-round IBF super middleweight eliminator. Give me a little more about this fight coming in Minneapolis on uh, on Saturday night. And this one, uh, being surprised on this, I, I haven't heard anything from Kid Chocolate, honestly, since he got knocked up by Daniel Jacobs back in 2015. So this is impressive to me in regards to that, that he, they found him, A, and B, they found him to face uh, Truex, who's pretty much it's for Truex because it's at the Armory, which is now all of a sudden, TJ's you know the new all of a sudden fight museum of fights. All of a sudden, they right. had the Rob Brandt fight that Top Rank had earlier, and there's going to be a couple others. With this fight with Truex, it's it's going to be a, everyone around around the globe has been saying it's a 50-50 because of the the, the contrast in styles in regards to that. Personally, I think Truex has the big advantage in this fight because I haven't seen anything from Quillen probably in at least two years. Well, and I was just in Minneapolis, as I mentioned, for the basketball, and it is interesting. They were promoting that this this show was coming on Fox, 
uh, there at the Armory. So they they did a multi-fight deal uh, for the next two years to, to fight there over and over and over again. So that is, uh, that is that showdown that is also taking place. So we've got no less than four interesting fights, again, depending on when you're listening to us. Lomachenko's title defense is Friday night. You may already know that result, that it was an easy win for him, or maybe not. And then on Saturday, triple header essentially in Monterey, Mexico, Atlantic City, and Minneapolis. Pick your venue, pick your fight, right, Marquise, real quick. Pretty it's much. Something for everybody. You're going to need more than one television to catch some of these fights scrolling around unless you uh, have a, one of those uh, fancy televisions that picks up more than one channel get at a the time. Extra, get the extra devices, get that stuff. All right, so before we get out of here, uh, the Monday is the 34th anniversary of arguably the greatest short fight, at least in modern boxing history. When I say to you, Hagler Hearns, what do you think of immediately? Instant slugfest because that's what that fight was when I remember I was watching it back. It's so great. It really is. Probably the greatest first round of a, of a modern championship fight. I know I'll talk more with David Payton, the boxing writer, about this. But if that fight had ended after one round, you wouldn't have been asking for your money back, your thirty nine ninety five, your forty nine ninety five for your pay-per-view or your $500 ringside seat. Because there was enough action. I mean, my my favorite recollection is Emmanuel Stewart, the longtime trainer of Thomas Hearns and many other champions out of the Cronk Gym in Detroit. I'm speaking your music again here. I'm speaking. Yes, I'm, you are. I'm playing your tune. I'm speaking your language. Emmanuel Stewart's famous line about how Thomas Hearns threw everything at Marvin Hagler in the first round and whether or not it wore him out or, or the strategy, did it take something out of him? And Stewart said, take something out of him. He fought the whole damn fight well, in the first fight round. Fight in the first round. <laughs> Such a great quote. Yeah. And in regards to that fight, because it really is one of the greatest, if those listening, you may want to check this fight out. I know it's on YouTube. If you don't have YouTube, it's on ESPN Plus. It, it's it's pretty much where you can find it. It's 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 really something you need to check back out and look at. Well, and especially when Hearns had had been so lethal with that bomb right hand, and he was hitting Marvin Hagler with it and couldn't and couldn't take him out. And we talk about this all the time, Marquise. And this is good for the present day. You know, we were mentioning Munguia. Maybe he fights Hurd. Maybe he fights Harrison. The three of them fight each other. Same thing we keep talking about with the welterweights because Terence Crawford's fighting next week. Is uh, is Porter going to get his chance at Earl Spence? Is uh, is Keith Thurman going to fight Manny Pacquiao in the welterweight division? The best fighters fighting the best fighters. We had that with Hagler, Hearns. We had that with Leonard Hagler. We had that with Duran Leonard. We had that with Hearns and Duran. They all wanted to fight each other, Marquise. They did, and I'm waiting for them to figure out with with the summer looming around with these fights. And I know these some of these are mandatories, and some of it is because of sanctioning bodies, and some of it is because they won't fight anybody. You can just ask Dillian White about that. In regards to it, where it's like you, at some point these guys have to fight each other, and I'm really hoping they would get back to the spirit where they had it with with, Hag- with Hagler and Hearns and those wars with Leonard and Duran. And man, so great time. It was, so a, great great time. It was a great time to have all of those different fights. I mean, you forget. Uh, that Leonard stayed active even after he beat Hagler. He had been he had been off for three years, and he eventually fought Hearns again and fought Duran again. And you you have to go back and look and remember that Hector Camacho Macho Camacho was Leonard's final fight in 1997, 22 years ago. Yes. Um, and that and that fight in 97 was 10 years after the Hagler win. He was still trying to be active and still you know Ray Leonard was still trying to be Sugar Ray, but. Didn't end up working out. All right, so if I say to you, Marquise Johns, BigFightWeekend.com, 
the uh, the most intriguing fight out of the four that I laid out uh, championship fights in three of the cases. One of them, Truex Quinlan, is the main event on FS1 on Saturday night. What are you the most intrigued by by these fights? Maybe it's a couple of them. But what are you the most intrigued by out of those fights we've laid out? Real quick. I am only intrigued mainly uh, fight-wise out of all of these and by the Shields hammer card, mainly for the historical aspect of it and mainly because of the undercard more than anything else before it because I do want to see ro- what the greatness of Rock and Ride Up Booker's been up to since the last 15 years. <laughs> and more, and also because mainly just the card in general uh, card-wise because it's it, if, if, you don't, if you don't know by chance, the undercard of the undercard for, for Showtime because Showtime's only showing three fights. The actual card itself that has Samuel Peter who is in heavyweight action, I haven't heard that name in a while either. Right. Uh, He's actually being fighting on the old uh, social media outlets. He's on a uh, fight night live underscore that, that on their Facebook page. He's not actually on beyond the actual any normal social media sites to find the fight. But that's being held there. Quillen's undercard's being held on FS2. I don't even think my cable has that. And <laughs> we got to get you a link. We got to get you a live yeah, got, stream I, on that I, one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find me a stream on that one. And also the uh, the, the zone card is, the, is on the zone. And I will admit, I'm glad the zone has, has boxing on this weekend because until this fight this weekend, TJ, UFC Fight Pass, which is, as you may guess, the, the home of UFC and mixed martial arts fighting, has shown more boxing cards than the zone at this rate. So I'm glad they're finally uh, right. The, the zone pace. will get a little busier with that Munguia Hogan main event in Monterey. And again, uh, Munguia from Mexico has fought in Monterey several times. It'll be a partisan crowd. He's a knockout guy. We'll see if Hogan has anything for him Saturday night. We know this guy has something. Plug away again for the fight fans to read more and where they can read more. Go ahead, Marquise. You can find all my stuff over at BigFightWeekend.com. All sorts of stories, news articles, and opinions there. As well, you can find me on Twitter at BigFightWeekend or Week Sauce Radio. I'm usually live tweeting during the fights, and there's plenty this weekend. I'm sure I'll be having a, snar- a snarky comment or two about one of them. Especially, <laughs> I love, Hey, I love you for the fact, and I, I made mention of this a week ago, that only my man Marquise would be on his lunch hour in the middle of the day, hard at work on the website and his regular jobs and everything else, live tweeting a regular fight card, not even a title fight, going on in Dubai in the middle of the afternoon, U.S time. That is how you know Marquise Johns at BigFightWeekend.com is dedicated. I tip my hat to you, my friend, on that. Hey, if they have gloves in the ring, I'm going to watch it. I love that. Marquise, keep up the great work. Again, quadruple header of interesting fights Friday and Saturday. Thank you, sir. We'll be reading you on BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate it. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka and their selection of great products at TouchVodka.com. Drink, eat, Live local. Touch Vodka. Touch Vodka, a taste of Florida. Find out more at touchvodka.com. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, I'm looking for some historical perspective and a little bit more on this Lomachenko upcoming title fight in Los Angeles with Krola. World Lightweight Championship fight that's coming up and to serve the dual purpose. I love the inside of the boxing rider. He's back, ladies and gentlemen, from the UK. David Payne back with me as part of Big Fight Weekend and the podcast. Good to have you. And I already know, I already anticipate that uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, at least uh, being nostalgic and talking history as we always do with a couple of these fights like Hagler Hearns and Leonard Hagler. Uh, anyway, good to be with you. Good to talk boxing with you again. How are things, sir? 
It's great to be on again, TJ. Uh, late night here, but um, always good to talk boxing. And uh, I shall sit back in my wingback chair and uh, indulge in some nostalgia with you. If that's what's on the menu. <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's, it's all the good. appetizer, and it is the main course that's on the menu right now. So when I say to you, because the 34th anniversary of Hagler Hearns is Monday, when I say to that, Say that to you. What comes to mind immediately about Hagler's third round knockout of Thomas Hearns, Las Vegas, Nevada, April 15th, 1985? Even talking, don't you feel the adrenaline start to come into your body as soon as you mention it? Don't you just feel your pulse quicken a little bit and a smile come across your face? Um, just remarkable event, remarkable fight to in such intensity, such uh, astonishing three rounds that we all remember so well, so vividly. Um, And yeah, just a timeless classic that can be played and played and played and you never grow tired of it. And it it, um, kind of etched their names into the history books and etched uh, both of their names into the hearts of boxing fans around the world. Just... uh, just absolute mayhem that will probably never be repeated. And if anything ever comes close, that's always the benchmark. The hagler Hearns fight is the benchmark, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, tremendous, tremendous to talk about it and, re- and reminisce once more. The one thing that I always come back to whenever I talk about this fight on the air, to friends off the air, uh, heck, I even brought it up at the beginning of this podcast, it is debatable that it's the greatest first round, at least in modern boxing, modern championship boxing, just for the bombs being thrown and the fact that as hard as the punches were, nobody got knocked down. There have been other dramatic first rounds where both fighters are down, etc. Okay, that's my criteria. Where does it rank in terms of your memory banks, your, your historical perspective, on greatest first rounds in, let's say, the last 30, 40, 50 years of boxing? What would you say, David? Uh, there's, there's that there's that round and there's all the others there's just they're just pale into insignificance compared to that I can't even think of one that could come close um, th- there may be some Japanese flyweight fight that I've never seen that could come close that someone <laughs> could call up and, uh, and mention uh, and if I really write my brains I could maybe name a couple of contenders but none of them are going to come close to that um, th- as you say to to not have a knockdown in that round with the the leather that was being thrown by two of the hardest punches uh, that that division's ever seen um, is remarkable. It just just adds to the the reputation and the legacy of the two guys in question. Fant- fantastic three minutes, and uh, I wish you could have been ringside for it, don't you? Wish you could have said you were there. Oh, no doubt. Um, as again, the big punches were thrown and reportedly Thomas Hearns did break his hand. He reportedly broke his hand with either like the second or the third right hand that he threw off of Marvin Hagler's tough jaw, his tough skull, and he couldn't yeah. knock him down. And that, and yet they fought on in that first round and Hearns fought on valiantly with the injured right hand and the end result is Hagler eventually wore him down and knocked him out with some big time uh, some big time punches. Um, when you reflect on Marvin Hagler, and you know what I'm coming to about the Leonard uh, Hagler fight that was two years later, but when you reflect on Marvin Hagler, there is that fight that stands out. What else stands out about him being such a longtime great champion, held the belt for almost seven years, held all the belts, the unified 
undisputed champ for almost seven years. What do you reflect on? What do you think on uh, finally to, to remember him and compliment him? Uh, I think with with Marvin, it's uh, well, so many things. Um, I think as we come on to that Leonard fight, uh, one feeling that does kind of res- uh, resonate with me is a, is a sense of sadness that um, his career had that conclusion to it, and he was never he never got a rematch that he would have liked for for many months and perhaps years after that uh, first Leonard fight. Um, but as an active fighter in his prime, he was one that kind of transcended the boundaries of the sport. Um, he was a back page kind of figure. He was one that you knew in the, um, as a youngster back then, as a teenager, one you knew in the playground, one you talked about at school, you know, Hagler, because he had that kind of, a, a different kind of aura to, to fight as we'd seen before. Obviously we were in a time of Tyson to some extent, or coming into the time of Tyson too. Um, but that whole bald head, we'd seen it before. We'd seen Benny Briscoe. We'd seen Ernie Shavers. There we um, go. Uh, yeah, a century, a century ago, of course, Jack Johnson. But there was some Marvin Hagler owned that whole bald head, no nonsense, patient, methodical, merciless kind of punishing uh, aura. I'll use that word again, but that kind of um, just a phenomenal fighter, a terrific fighter. Um, he shouldn't be overlooked how good a, a boxer he was. He wasn't just a puncher. He wasn't just a, a busy fighter. He just could do a pretty much bit of everything. Uh, and But I always come back to it, just a tinge of sadness that his career ended with that frustration, that sense of he hadn't given it all in that Leonard fight. He'd um, overthought it and been outthought in the end or... Um, and, and Leonard nicked that decision, whether you believe he did or he didn't. Um, and then he never got a chance to, to put it right, as it were. So I, uh, when I watched it, I thought Hagler won. Um, and I've watched it again since. And I can see the case, perhaps, for a Leonard win. But I think my heart will always say that Hagler won the fight. Interesting. This is what debates are all about. As you hear the voice of David Payne with me, TJ Reeves, it's Big Fight Weekend. It's the podcast. Again, subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play to Big Fight Weekend. Always love the insight that David brings from the UK on this fight. By by the way, I have believed for 32 years that Leonard won that fight. Still believe it. Still go (laughs) round and round with all kinds of people. There, There are remarkable aspects to it. Again, Hagler had defended the title 12 times in a row Leonard hadn't fought David I know you know this but for the audience too he hadn't fought in three years didn't fight a tune-up fight stepped in with the menacing Hagler uh, who as you mentioned was always aggressive always moving forward with the southpaw stance very hard to hit very tough fighter uh, tactically as tough a fighter to go against as you could and I thought Leonard outboxed him outfoxed him used the jab used the combinations used the flurries at the end of the round it was it was amazing that Hagler could not do more damage, couldn't knock him down, couldn't really hurt him. There were a couple times when he may have shook him up, but didn't have him significantly hurt. And 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 that's what adds to uh, the intrigue and the decision about this fight. It leaves uh, it leaves the debate open. All right, so there I've I've kind of I've spoken my piece on that on that part of it but it's it's just it's remarkable to go back and relive all the footnotes that Hagler hadn't lost in seven years as the champ Leonard hadn't fought in three years as the backdrop Hagler made the most money David at that time for any non-heavyweight guaranteed ever 12 million dollars which in the present day that's at least double 12 million American dollars for a non-heavyweight that's how big a deal he was 
it, it, it was a big deal 32 years ago when Leonard and Hagler fought and Leonard got the decision. Yeah, it's an amazing fight. As I say, um, it transcended the sport to sporting boundaries. It was a mainstream sports event. Everyone knew it was happening. Uh, and, and my comments about I felt Hagler won and the sadness that I felt that his, his career came to an end on that defeat um, doesn't mean that I can't appreciate what Ray Leonard achieved in making it close enough to take a decision. Uh, having been out of the ring for three years. Um, it was a phenomenal performance or a f- phenomenal achievement. I think the other thing, just to loop back around to what we often talk about with the welterweights that are out there right now, not fighting frequently enough, <clears throat> excuse me, is that we often think of Hagler as an old man by the time he fought Sugar Ray Leonard and then going into retirement kind of underlines that somewhat. Um, but it's important to point out he was 32 when he fought Sugar Ray Leonard, 32 and then retired. And we've got guys out there now um, at 30, 31, 32 who've not had none of these fights yet. And it's <laughs> it's remarkable to me, you know, that these guys got it all done um, within, uh, you know, by the time they were in their early 30s, they'd, they'd done all there was to do. It's it's remarkable. Uh, but that, that fight, you know, will live long in the memory as is proven by the fact we're talking about it today, 30-odd years on. And it still, it still causes debate and argument, too. No doubt. Um, all right, so the historical part of this, of course, Hearns and Leonard later fought uh, eight years after their rematch, 1989, and that was an infamous draw where, again, many believe that Thomas Hearns won the fight. He actually knocked Leonard down uh, in that rematch fight, and many believe Hearns was robbed of that decision kind of in the trifecta in the trilogy with Hagler and Leonard and Hearns. Uh, but you're right. They never fought again. Uh, Hagler never fought, period. And Leonard never gave him a rematch and gave him a reason to to want to come back out of retirement. So kind of interesting as the, uh, as still, the footnote. Still, yeah. And still, and for for many years, still spitting bitterness. You know, and, and if you can imagine a year or two later, Hagler's still only 33, 34, and there is some sort of rematch. You can imagine the size of an event that would have been. Um, and I'm sure Hagler would have gone about it differently, but... It never came to pass, so we'll never know how much Hagler did, really did have left. Whether it was just a tactical misstep, we'll just never know. It's, it's there in the history books, and that's something Hagler has to live with. And it's something we have to recognise and doff our caps to Leonard for. It's probably why most people would rank him as the number one of that great quartet, because he had the wins over other fighters. But as you mentioned, at least two of them were very contentious. Yeah, he actually fought Duran as well a third time. You know this, and, and decision him. They were all they were both much older, uh, but uh, the 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 Uno Mas as they called it. One more after the No Mas uh, previously. Few more minutes with David Payne. I, I love your insight on all things, including this Lomachenko World Lightweight Title. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko will be fighting uh, Anthony Krola from, uh, hey, look here, from England, from Great Britain, uh, in a world lightweight showdown in Los Angeles late Friday night. Again, disclaimer, if you're listening to us and you already know what happened, David and I are in the preview mode. We don't know what happened. Maybe Lomachenko did away with Krola easily. Maybe it went the distance. We don't know at the time that we're taping this to kind of kick off Big Fight Weekend. But uh, in terms of Krola, he, he held a portion of the belt earlier in the 2010s, the WBA lightweight title, does not have a lot of knockout power, only 
um, what, 13 knockouts in 34 fights. Does, doesn't have a lot of recent knockouts uh, to his credit uh, either. Um, in fact, in his last, uh, what, six fights, two, four, yes, yeah, six fights, they've all been decisions. I guess the biggest question from the American fight fan, and you have some knowledge about Krola, d- does he pose much of a threat? It doesn't appear on paper that he poses much of a punching power threat. I guess how much of a threat to Lomachenko? Does anyone below 130 or 140 40 pounds cause on paper pose much of a threat to Lomachenko? Um, so on paper, Crowley doesn't have the knockout record that suggests he's got the puncher's chance. So can he outwork Lomachenko? Seems unlikely. Is he going to be faster than Lomachenko? Seems unlikely. If he attacks him with busyness and tries to go forward, he'll get picked off. If he stays back, he'll get outpointed. It really is. Uh, mission Impossible for almost anyone. Um, Crawler is one of British boxing's most loved fighters. He's not got the um, popular acclaim of your Amir Khan, your Tyson Fury, your Anthony Joshua's, but he's a much-loved character in British boxing, one of the um, nicest guys anyone could meet. Uh, and I have met him. He's a lovely chap, and everyone says the same thing about him, a, a happy, smiling Mancunian, but full of grit, full of determination, and he has prepared diligently and with the intention of coming to win. He's not coming to be brave. He spoke to Boxing News, read that this this week, um, saying that any old any any idiot can be brave. Uh, it's not his intention to just come and be brave. It's his intention to try and execute a game plan, try and find an opportunity and take it. Um, he's a good boxer. Um, he's always had a good engine. He's got good footwork and he's a good puncher to the body, which perhaps a little more than his record suggests, because he has been operating at good world-class level. That's the thing you don't mention. You know, he's been fighting uh, Linares twice, Ricky Burns, Dallas Perez. These are good fighters, particularly Linares, and Burns may be a little over the hill, but a good, good fighter. Uh, So these are are solid world-class fighters he's been in with, and um, knockouts aren't always easy to find when you're fighting world-class people. So he'll give it everything he's got. Um, unfortunately, he's going to come up short. Um, it'd be an astonishing achievement if it's anything other than a Lomachenko win. If Crawler does this, I think it supersedes anything any British fighter's done. Um, bigger than Turpin beating Sugar Ray Robinson, Hunnigan beating Curry, it will be bigger than either of those or any others you can conjure. Um, but he is a top 10 lightweight. He deserves his shot. And I'm glad to see Lomachenko's busy. This is his third fight in less than a year, despite surgery. And that should be admired too. So um, it's it's a, it's a fun, interesting fight, and we all expect Lomachenko to probably win by stoppage, mid to late rounds. I would expect, but um, we would think so, we would think it may I even be early. I can't, I can't sell him much higher than that. But he's a lovely chap, and I'm uh, giving great credit that he's going to have a go, and he's taking it very seriously, and he's coming to win. He's not coming to be either lay down or just walk forward. So we'll see what happens. Again, Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and their mobile app. And whether we're talking about the Lomachenko title fight in L.A., Shields and Hammer, the ladies' world middleweight title fight in Atlantic City, Truax and Quinlan in the super middleweight showdown in Minnesota, tickets everywhere on Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. You want to use them for their easy access to their app, their great customer service, their 100% guarantee on your purchase, and use the promo code BIGFIGHT10 for 10% off of your first-time order. Big Fight 10 takes 10% off up to $50. Again, one name to remember to get into all of these different fights. It's Vivid Seats.
And again, Lomachenko in his last defense against Jose Pedraza. I, I remember watching that fight, and at times, it almost toyed with him, kind of looked bored. It was a decision. Uh, it wasn't spectacular, but the previous eight fights are knockouts or stoppages before that. So let's see if Loma is ready to uh, to be spectacular on Friday night at the Staples Center. The big, the big thing here, I think, when people fight Lomachenko is, is the psychological thing is almost as important. Um, and Joe Gallagher has spoken on a couple of things that I've listened to about um, the need to prepare yourself to be humiliated at times. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, it's kind of a daily of, occurrence in my life, actually, while we just self-deprecate, <laughs> just be, you know, be ready to be humiliated. Continue on with your, with your point, my friend. Um, so, yeah, the, the gist of that being that, you know, he's had three or four world-class guys have quit um, because they don't want to take the humiliation anymore of just being made to look like an amateur. Um, so he's tried to prepare him for that eventuality, to stay in the fight, to take the opportunity should, should it arise. Um, but I think one or two opponents are also perhaps guilty of just doing enough to make it look okay, but not really trying to upset him too much. Um, because I think... When you come and have a go at Lomachenko or you try to make a fight of it, that's when you start to get punished. That's when you know a, a switch is flicked and Lomachenko goes into a higher gear. Uh, so it's, it's a devil in the deep blue sea for Anthony. It's it's all against him and he's got it all to do. But um, he he will give it every every effort to make it work. But I can't I can't sell him as a a, a real live dog to your American audience. <laughs> I like that phrase. A few more moments. The boxing writer, David Payne, boxingwriter.co.uk is his website. Also does some work for gambling.com, freebets.net when analyzing and and giving you some wagering tips on boxing. David Payne with me for a few more moments. Okay, good one for you. We have a lot of tremendous fighters in different divisions. Lomachenko is largely, at at least from the media standpoint, revered as the best pound-for-pound fighter that's out there right now in 2019. I don't know that that's one. Warranted. What say you about, uh, I, I don't think enough body of work exists and enough great wins exist. What say you? Uh, well, he's number two on my list. Um, I've got Usyk first, who's, you by your biometric, has similarly not had enough fights. Um, but what I see is a list of um, title fights against good opponents and he's barely lost a round. Linares was as close as he came. Um, so it's, yeah, Lomachenko with the two Olympic golds, uh, virtually unbeaten as an amateur, if memory serves. One defeat in his second fight for a world title uh, in his short professional career. An astonishing talent. And if he, if we're taking a pound-for-pound debate, which I'm not really one a great one for, but... If he weighed 200 pounds and had the skill set he's got now, he beats everybody at heavyweight and and cruiserweight, etc. Or you put him in at middleweight with the skill set he's got now, he probably beats everybody. Um, I don't think he can go much higher than lightweight. I think there may eventually be a 140 pounder that can be too big for him, but I can fully I fully endorse his his place in the discussion about who's the best pound for pound on the planet at the moment. But personally, I've got Usyk above him. Interesting. All right. This is what debates are all about. Of course, you got the welterweights right above him, too. Somebody like a Terrence Crawford who fights next week and Errol Spence, who beat Mikey Garcia back a few weeks ago. 
But they need to get busy. They need to get busy. They need to get busy to impress sure. me. That's my measure. They, they uh, and I don't up. disagree with that. We've de- we've debated that in the past on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. You want to fight <laughs> once a year or twice every you know fourteen sixteen months? Not enough. I'm with you on that. So. Uh, pound for pound debates are good, and and Usyk Alexander Usyk is uh, an interesting guy uh, in the cruiserweight who apparently also wants to fight heavyweight and maybe get a crack at Anthony Joshua or DeAndre Wilder somewhere down the uh, DeAndre Wilder. Excuse debuts, me, somewhere down the line. He debuts, he's debuting soon at heavyweight against Carlos Takam. So uh, look out uh, if you've not seen him in America yet. You're in for a treat, and he will he will cause serious problems to everyone at heavyweight. So yeah, well, yeah look Usyk. We'll see if Yusick can be that for Deontay Wilder for Anthony Joshua down the road. Listen, I always love the insight from you. Plug away again on where we find you on social media because, again, he's a great follow and where we can read you as well, David Payne. Okay, website as always is boxingwriter.co.uk. Um, and I'm on Twitter at The Boxing Writer. And occasionally, pieces of mine appear at bigfightweekend.com, of course, the website for this podcast. So uh, please get in touch by any means you wish to. Love that. Love the man's insight. Uh, it's a split decision on you and me and uh, and Hagler Leonard. We need another judge. We need another judge to come and weigh in. Maybe it's Marquise Johns or somebody else to weigh in on on who really oh, won we, that we need, fight. We need, we, need, we need someone who's not distracted by tassels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also we also need to come to grips with the fact that we were much younger men and we're getting old that that was 32 years ago leonard Hagler, but still oldie but goodie still a phenomenal fight to go back and relive back uh, in the well, day there's there's another scary anniversary i've been doing a bit of background just to remind myself of a few days it's 20 years since thomas hearns last fought in anywhere approaching a meaningful fight and he was very, very old, as we all know, and very, very shot-worn. He's younger than I am now, and that's depressing. That is. It is scary. It is scary. When we're, you, uh... we're, older than, we're older than our heroes. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. All right, on that depressing note, enjoy the fights uh, this weekend. We'll see if Krola has something for Lomachenko Friday night. David Payne, thank you for hopping on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, sir. The great girl again. Catch you next time. It has been far too long since I've had the opportunity to talk to this man and break down what's going on in boxing and with a big fight weekend with Antoine Williams from greatest of all time boxing promotions, GOAT boxing promotions in and around the Houston, Texas area. And here he is as we get ready for this weekend. How you feeling? Because we have we have fights of relevance all over the North American continent. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, TJ. Doing great. Just gra- glad to be back on. And, uh, man, we have so much boxing to catch up on. So let's jump right in and get started. Let's do it. Okay, so Jaime Munguia defending his version of the Junior Middleweight Championship, WBO Junior Middleweight Championship, coming Saturday night on DAZN. His previous title defense in Houston, Texas, where he won by decision over Takeshi Inoue of Japan. Oh, and looky here. Who was in Houston, Texas, in and around that fight, uh, in and around Munguia, and can give us some insight, but Antoine Williams. So it's good to have you on uh, for some insight into this latest Munguia title defense. The first thing is he's been very active. This is now his second fight, obviously, already this year. Antoine, his fifth fight in 11 months. So I say bravo, little little TJ, one man standing O, bravo, that he is being more active than a lot of these fighters. Uh, in that regard, but you've been around Munguia recently, including this calendar year. What do you make of him and this and this latest defense coming on Saturday night in Mexico? 
Yes, I was. Um, I think he is a, a young kid, fun to be around. Um, he is definitely a role model in the community. Um, he has a good look to him. You know, he's from Mexico. He's only 22 years old. And he's with Golden Boy, you know. So <clears throat> definitely um, they're bringing him up the right way. I was actually out there for the media day. I met the kid, very strong kid, very strong hand. And uh, I really think that, you know, that was a great, great showcase fight <laughs> with, with Inouye. Yes, TJ. Well, and in, in this respect, uh, he has certainly worked his way up, fought mostly in Mexico, but he defeated Saddam Ali in uh, New York back last May to win the WBO title. And and then is uh, and then fights Liam Smith of England. It's like an international who's who. He then fights Brandon Cook uh, of uh, of Canada. I'd be lying if I told you I knew anything really about Brandon Cook, but he knocked him out in three rounds. The in a way fight was a decision over twelve rounds. Now he now he's fighting Dennis Hogan, who we do not know a lot about. Hogan with only seven knockouts in his career. We we believe that uh, that Munguia should should be impressive and may even win early in in this one. Uh, okay, Antoine. I guess the question is to you for his camp for Golden Boy Promotions. They clearly want him to have a spectacular win here. They don't want him to look ordinary. They don't want him to go extra rounds or the distance looking boring. That's obvious, right? He's got to look good. Absolutely. You know, uh, he's fighting Dennis Hogan, not Hawk Hogan. You know, he definitely doesn't possess the, the strength and, that Hawk Hogan possesses. And let's be clear here. Dennis Hogan's 28-1. and one. He's uh, virtually unknown. He fights typically overseas. He's from Austra- Australia, by the way. And uh, he's here to be an opponent. Let's n- make no mistake about it, TJ. Um, again, first of all, he's a, he's five foot eight. He's thirty four years of age, so he's no spring chicken. He's only you know he's only going to reach father time sooner than later. And uh, you know he goes by the name Hurricane Dennis Hurricane Hogan. By no means is he is he punching like a hurricane. I'd say he punches more like a, 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 a you know like a feather cap. Um, <laughs> but he's actually here, like I mentioned, to be the opponent. Um, I'd be surprised if this fight goes past six rounds. So you heard really? it here first. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I think Jaime's here to make a statement. I think Jaime's here to, you know, showcase himself, look good, and uh, stay busy. You know, like you mentioned, he's had um, he's had about six fights in the past year, so he's here to stay busy. He's here to look good. There's a lot of uh, uh, big name fighters that can be made, big name fights that can be made within the next year. And this is a showcase fight. He's expected to come out and look good. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you this. Jaime Munguia is 6 feet, 32 and 0, 26 knockouts. Um, he's fighting, like I mentioned, Dennis Hogan, who's only 5 foot 8. So Dennis Hogan, only chance in this fight really is to get, get in close, maybe land something um, while Munguia is punching, maybe catch Munguia in an exchange and get lucky. And... Uh, other than that, I really think this fight is is made to make Mangia look great. Yeah, well, and and you, know, I mentioned the uh, the Inoue decision, also the decision over Liam Smith, but everything else around that for the last four years has been a knockout. So let's see, or a stoppage, a TKO. So let's see if that continues for Mangia. And again, interestingly, he's aligned with Golden Boy and with DeZone on this deal. The other two champions in his division, Jarrett Hurd, who has two of the belts, and uh, Tony Harrison, super bad, who has the WBC belt after the upset of one of the Charlo brothers last December, they're promoted by Premier Boxing Champions. So it may be difficult for Munguia 
uh, to get a unification fight. We'll see. They're going to try to put the pressure on by him looking good in main event fights. Um, we'll see what happens in that one. I know you made mention to me real quick that there was there had been some talk that Munguia might be fighting Triple G, but that fight didn't come off. Interesting that Triple G is now part of the DAZN promotion, and maybe Munguia down the road might have a shot at him, but he would probably have to move up in weight, probably fight at 160 or something like that if that were to happen. Do I have all that laid out somewhat correctly, sir? You do, actually. You do. There was some talk last year, if people remember, about Triple G possibly needing an opponent, and they were looking at Jaime Munguia. Unfortunately, Jaime Munguia, that fight was turned down for two reasons. The first reason being he's a 154-pound natural uh, you know, junior middleweight. And he has, um, he's a young kid. Like I said, he was 21 last year. He's 22 now. And Triple G is not the, probably the type of per- person you want to fight um, in your first big fight coming up. Um, the second reason that fight was turned down was because Triple G's handlers said, you know what? No, we want to go out and grab a fighter and bring Triple G back in a winnable fight. So they went out and got uh, Vines Matarosen, who, by the way, was sitting on the bench for two years, you know, not fighting, really just kind of laying around, and they knew this was a fight. Triple G can look great, and he did. He actually knocked uh, Marta Rosen out within two rounds. So, but, but circling back, I think, TJ, that this fight could possibly be made down the line because, as you mentioned, Triple G just signed with DAZN, which is great for boxing and great for us as, as fight fans. And that fight could possibly be made maybe in the next year or two because Jaime Munguia is going to move up and wait eventually. He's a big kid. He's a big junior middleweight. Um, there's no reason to think this kid can't fight at middleweight at 160 as a matter of fact uh when he fought uh liam smith last year at junior middleweight uh tj he actually came in to fight at 176 pounds which wow. by the way that's wow pushing cruiserweight you know that's a pound over the light heavyweight limit so this kid can definitely fill into his body um i think he's uh he's naturally big he's six feet as i mentioned and I think that that fight could possibly be made, be made down the line with Triple G. But Triple G is getting up there in age, so we got to right. make something happen because well, and Triple G's. I was just thinking that and, great great minds think alike. He's going to fight Triple G in the summer here. Obviously, not against Munguia, probably uh, in June, something like that. And then he's he's gunning for the third fight with Canelo in the fall. And remember, Triple G is what 35, 36 years old. I don't know how much longer he continues to fight because his deal with DAZN, I think, is only a three fight deal, and it includes. Believe it or not, it includes another contingency that if he beats Alvarez, they may more than likely fight a fourth time in the beginning of next year, or at least by the spring of 2020. So I don't know that there's room in there, but you're right. Munguia's uh, future will be dictated by if he is spectacular in this fight, he's still undefeated and he's moving up to middleweight, maybe he gets on Canelo's radar too uh, in the middleweight division. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if that is the case. So again, that's the DAZN main event on Saturday night. Simultaneously, and we've already touched on this earlier in the podcast with Marquise Johns from BigFightWeekend.com, Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer will fight the first ever main event women's world title fight as the headlining fight on Showtime. That will be on a Saturday night in Atlantic City at the time that we are taping. Oh, and it, look at uh, my man Antoine Williams is on for multiple reasons, including he's a great resource. You have a bit of a relationship with Clarissa Shields, both being out of out of Michigan. You've been around her some. 
Give me a little bit of insight here, because this is obviously a, a humongous, important fight for both of these ladies, both undefeated, world titles on the line, significant payday on the line. Tell me more about Clarissa Shields, if you would, real quick. Sure, sure. Clarissa Shields, first of all, she's a joy to be around. You know, she's a young lady, very professional, two-time gold medalist, as we all know, which is a, a huge honor in itself. Uh, but I've been around her, you know, actually uh, was out there with her for her fight in Verona, New York. Uh, when she took on Tori Shonuff Wilson, uh, Clarissa clearly out her in that fight. And then I was out there w- with her in Detroit when she actually uh, recently took on a another undefeated young lady by the name of Hannah Gabriels, and Clarissa picked up another belt, which, by the way, she's actually going to be defending uh, when she unifies tomorrow night with Christina Hammer. So uh, Clarissa, like I said, she's a joy to be around. Um, she's a real people's person. She wears a smile on her face, very genuine. Uh, she loves boxing, you know, and guess what? She, by the way, she named her herself the GWOAT, G-W-O-A-T, the greatest woman of all time, which just simultaneously is very close to, 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 our, to our organization, which is GOAT Boxing. So um, I actually uh, picked on her about that, you know, that she, she's the GWOAT and I'm the GOAT. So, um, but, but again, she's a very, very classy act, very professional um, a lot of people don't like the fact that Clarissa Shields is very confident. Some people call her cocky, you know, because she wears her confidence on her sleeve. But can I but tell I, you, you know can I interject? Can I tell you, you need some of that. You need some of that. You got to have a little, a, a little bit of sizzle, somebody to sell the promotion. Yeah, I like some cockiness here and there. Now, whether she can back it up in a in a fight, this is obviously the best opponent she's faced. Would that be fair? Would that be accurate? And now you got to back up that bravado, back up that bragging, right? Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm so excited, TJ. I mean, man, if you could see me right now, I'm, I'm you know, getting uh, goosebumps. I'm excited because she's fighting Christina Hammer, who, by the way, I actually had a chance to meet and talk with and take some pictures with as well. So Christina Hammer is, is a monster. You know, she's, uh, she's undefeated. Um, she has some belts and she has virtually been unstoppable, you know, throughout her her career and and the reason this fight is so significant is it's going to be the greatest woman's fight I would go down as saying in the history of boxing I truly think that this is going to be the greatest woman fight I expect all action um, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a knockdown in the fight either way on either side and uh, it, it's just a joy and I can't I just can't wait now and, and I'm so excited because we get this fight on Showtime, not pay-per-view. We get this fight on Showtime, TJ. Where can you go and get one of the greatest women's fights of all time on free Showtime? It's, yeah. it's just it's unbelievable. Well, all right. So that's the main event, and that one in Atlantic City on Saturday evening as well. Antoine Williams with me for a few more moments. It's Big Fight Weekend. Antoine with greatest of all time boxing promotions, GOAT Boxing Promotions out of Houston. He's done a fantastic job of putting together his own fight cards, his own promotion. I love him as a, uh, a resource, and I want to give you a chance to promote that in a second. One more time, though, on this podcast, I'm bringing up Hagler Hearns Anniversary Monday at the time that we're taping, April the 15th, 19 19- 1985, Lord, I'm getting old, that Hagler and Hearns teed off on each other in a three-round world middleweight uh, epic fight won by Marvin Hagler. Antoine, it is one of the most iconic short fights in boxing ever. When you think about, I have asked the other guests before you, when you think about that fight, what comes to mind immediately first about Hearns, Hagler, and how great that fight was? A couple of words. Uh, 
immaculate and spectacular. You know, and what I got out of that fight was two guys that were aiming for KO of the year. It almost seemed like when they went in that fight, they were trying to win an award. It, it seemed like they were going for KO of the year. And actually, you know, of course, as you know, um, Hagler got the KO when he knocked out Hearns in round three. So um, I just think that was one of the best fights, arguably one of the best rounds in boxing history, if not the best round in boxing history. And uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the least I can say, two warriors in the ring. Oh, no doubt. And uh, and it was named, obviously, the Ring Magazine, the Bible of Boxing Fight of the Year. They also named it the Fight of the Decade. And it's it's uh, if you say to anybody... If you say to them, Hagler Hearns, they immediately think of that first round. And so it's it's so fascinating when you watch these fights and guys take the first round to kind of loosen up, feel the opponent out, and maybe the first couple of rounds. These guys came in, Antoine, like rock'em, sock'em robots. Remember, we used to play that as kids with the little buttons. <laughs> and the, yeah. they, they were looking to take each other's head off in the first 30 seconds of this thing. <laughs> and that's that's what makes it uh, such a such a great remembrance for this fight so uh i'm I'm looking forward to commemorating that anniversary i'll write something about it on bigfightweekend.com um it's uh it's neat to go back and watch it is worth the 10 12 minutes for you to go on youtube and watch it again with the fireworks from right off the bat and eventually Hagler just wore hearns down and knocked him out uh 34 years ago on monday all right antoine williams uh please tell the audience here about your up and coming boxing promotion goat boxing promotions where they can find out more about that about you etc go ahead sure so you know we're doing a lot of stuff here in houston and texas and the surrounding areas uh here with goat boxing promotions uh one of the big one of the big exciting events coming up here in may i want to let everyone know about Saturday, May 11th, mark your calendars. We're going to do another free sparring boxing event. We're bringing all the community out. We're bringing all the fans, the boxing fans, the families, uh, the kids. And we're going to have a live sparring event over at a dealership called JD by Ryder. That address is 8224 North Freeway in Houston. Once again, JD by Ryder, 8224 North Freeway freeway we want everyone to come out it's going to be a a spectacular event we're going to have boxers we're going to have sparring we're going to have cameras we're going to have free food did i mention we're going to have free drinks we're going to have uh bounce houses for the kids free face painting for the kids (laughs) we're giving back to the community we want all the boxing talent to come out we want to get to know uh the boxers we want the boxers to get to know the, the the uh the general public and uh we just encourage everyone to come out it's a free event Bring put on by myself, Goat Boxing Promotions, and J.D. Byrider. We want to thank J.D. Byrider in advance for ha- hosting this event. And uh, we're excited, and we look forward to seeing everybody out there. And Once one again, thing, Saturday, May 11th. Saturday, May 11th. And one thing, because we've got plenty of lead time, and we'll, we'll have a couple of more Big Fight Weekend podcasts before we get there, is that if you are a fighter or you know of a fighter in the region, in Texas, in Louisiana, that can get anywhere in and around the south-southwest that can get to Houston, you are interested in fighters being part of what you're doing with Goat Boxing Promotions, with this sparring event, etc. You want them to contact you, correct? That's correct, TJ. Absolutely. And you guys need to contact me. You know, we're always looking to recruit good boxing talent, professional boxing talent. Uh, To contact me, of course, you can always go on the website, www.thegoatboxingpromotions.com. Also, check out our business Facebook business page, 
the GOAT Boxing Promotions. Uh, you can always reach us there. You can reach us by email at thegoatboxingpromotions at gmail.com. So there's several ways you can reach out to us. We're always looking for some of the top talent in Houston, uh, Texas, outside of Texas. I mean, we, we, we love every uh, up-and-coming boxer that's looking to make a name for himself, looking to go to that next level. We're always trying to build our next you know, future world champion in the, in the up-and-coming future. So please come on out. This is a great chance to showcase your abilities. If you ever want to let a promoter know that you're out there and you're looking to be noticed, be seen, show what you got, show your craft, now's the time. Saturday, May 11th, free event. Come on out, contact us. We look forward to seeing everybody there, TJ. Love it. Again, uh, Antoine Williams, the greatest of all time, boxing promotions through the website, through their Facebook page. Uh, You never know, Antoine, who's out there that knows of a fighter. You're talking about opportunity. You're giving opportunity to young up-and-coming fighters to get seen, to network with a boxing promotion, and to be part of uh, your your event now. But fight cards that are coming later, et cetera, doesn't hurt. So reach out to him on that front. Uh, We, again, have numerous interesting fights this weekend, including Jaime Munguia defending his junior middleweight title on DAZN from Mexico on Saturday night, Clarissa Shields, ladies middleweight championship fight in Atlantic City, and on and on down the list. Thank you for helping me break it down, Antoine. I look forward to catching up with you again soon here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Thank you. Hey, thanks again, TJ. Have a great one. And that will conclude this preview edition of Big Fight Weekend, whether it's the Lomachenko fight on Friday night coming at Staples Center or the three different fights, triple header on Saturday night, Munguia and Hogan from Mexico on the DAZN streaming service. Shields and Hammer, the ladies' middleweight unification fight is on Showtime late night Saturday night from Atlantic City. And Quinlan against Truax in the junior or the super middleweight showdown is the main event on FS1, on Fox Sports 1 Cable. Enjoy all of those fights uh, here as they all unfold. Uh, Thank yous again to our guests, Marquise Johns, BigFightWeekend.com. Be reading the site all weekend, preview mode, recap mode of all of these different fights through BigFightWeekend.com, and we thank Marquise for stopping by. Uh, here with us. Also, David Payne, the boxing writer. Love uh, David's insight from the UK. As I say that every time, he's a frequent guest here on BigFightWeekend.com. Follow him at The Boxing Writer on social media, on Twitter. Find him at The Boxing Writer. And also his site, BoxingWriter.co.uk. Comes your way out of England with a lot of great insight. Uh, And then also Antoine Williams, the greatest of all time, boxing promotions, the GOAT. Love Antoine's insight out of Houston on Jaime Munguia. Also the ladies' world title fight in the middleweight division with Clarissa Shields, his connection to her. Love uh, love having our different guests on, and we love having you as part of Big Fight Weekend. Enjoy the fights. Again, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, and tune in. Thanks also to our friends at RadioInfluence.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights here this weekend, whether it be Lomachenko, Munguia, the ladies' title fight. Will Truax also get the win and get, get in the mix at 168 for a title shot? We'll find out there on Fox Sports 1 Cable. Enjoy the fights, and we'll be back next week in the preview mode of Crawford and Khan and all the fights that are coming near the end of April here as part of Big Fight Weekend. For now, enjoy the action this weekend, and thank you for being with us on the podcast, Big Fight Weekend. This is a We've Seen That with T.J. Reeves and Jay Betzel Quick Fix on Radio Influence.
We're going to play every once in a while uh, a game of true or false in and around this movie. And you, and you played true or false with me about Gene Hackman and the role of Coach Norman Dale. You played true or false about Gene Hackman and, and Coach Norman Dale as the lead, right? And about whether that was supposed to be Gene Hackman or not. Yes. I, in fact, I've read in uh, multiple spots, and you know, the beauty of the internet is if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Of course. So well, I, we're on the internet, and everything we say is true. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So I did see that someone else was originally planned to, or offered the role of Norman And Dale. you put it on me. You said true yes. or false. Yes. And, and you said true or false who? Jack Nicholson was originally offered the role <laughs> of Norman Dale. And, and I said that can't be. And you said, no, it's true, and it is true. It is true. Nicholson apparently was under contract to do another movie. I don't know what the movie is, and turned down the role. They couldn't make it work. Now, here's a true or false. True or false, there was another actor in between Nicholson and Hackman that they tried to get to play Norman Dale. I think it's true. I can't remember who it was, but I do remember Jack Nicholson saying Gene Hackman was his choice if he couldn't play it. Yeah, you tell me. They, uh, they, want, they wanted for a little while Robert Duvall to be Gene Hackman's character, Coach Norman Dale, and for whatever reason... Duvall uh, did not get the role. Gene Hackman got the role. Uh, the film was written by Angelo Pizzo and directed by David Anspon. Angelo Pizzo is a native Indianan and, uh, and, and wanted to make this movie about Indiana high school basketball and about a famous, here's another true or false, is the movie based on a true story? Jay Betzel, Hoosiers, 1986. Is it based on a true story? I'm saying no. You'd be wrong. False. It's true. It's based actually on the 1954 championship team of tiny Milan High School in Milan, Indiana. We've seen that with TJ Reeves and Jay Betzel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.